Fuck me. Fuck me. No thanks. Well, if I have to. Check, check, check. Okay. Check right, one, two. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let me fucking suck that back. All right, guys, ready? This makes me want to drink alcohol. All right, guys, we're here for the first ever Pipe Burn Uncut podcast. We have got Anthony Partridge all the way from the UK. You. We've got Scott Hopkins all the way from Hopkins. around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and me, Mark Hauer, trying out how to use this Rodecaster Pro. Let's stop that. Let's put a bit of an applause in. Yeah, boy. And let's quickly test out the Anthony Partridge button. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Every C word gets. I like, out. I like how we call this uncut, and, I just, and I've, I've already got a fucking button. <laughs> um, but I'm right. after you. Let's get into this. We decided to make a podcast. What probably about four or five weeks ago, and sort of thought, okay, <laughs> well, four years ago, four years ago, four or five <laughs> weeks and months and years ago, um, and sort of thought that uh, there needs to be more podcasts in the world. I think we were listening to some, and we thought, yeah, you know what? Let's just have a little bit of fun. Let's get straight into it. Um, it's now currently in Sydney, 2.25. Uh, we were meant to start this podcast at midday. Anthony, do you want to let us know what happened last night? Uh, well, um, how many bars we get kicked out of last night? Three? Yeah, three. We, we got kicked out of a bar. Well, because bar. of you. We, we got kicked out of a bar before we even got in the bar. The first bar we went to, we just stood in line. And the bartender or the doorman just looks at us and goes, not today, boys. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Yeah, it's because That's we almost got hit started. by the uh, car crossing the road. Oh yeah, because you're not—you can't jaywalk. It's <laughs> fucking jaywalking's a thing in this country. What the too fuck? Loose. And uh, what was the flight like? <laughs> Treacherous. Fuck me, you guys live a far fucking way. This away. would have been the first time that you've done 24 hours of flying, right? Yeah, yeah. To get to one place, definitely. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome down under. It's called down under for a reason. Yeah. Um, all right, let's have a bit of a chat. This is going to be a very loose introductory uh, podcast. We're learning how to use the systems, and obviously we've all known each other for a very long, long time. Um, Anthony, give us a bit of a background as to uh, who you are growing up, if your dad touched you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Straight in. <laughs> well, the first time my dad touched me, <laughs> it left bruises. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 one sec, one sec, one sec. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't These are a button, button for that. <laughs> it was too late. The joke's gone. All right, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but uh, no, my dad did touch me probably weekly um, with either a horse whip or a belt or uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever else you were allowed to beat your kids with in the eighties. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> sounds hot. <laughs> no, I, I had a very good childhood. I, I I was raised right, clearly by the fucking as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I grew up in, uh, I was born in England um, in 82. My parents decided to uh, fuck off to Canada. Actually, we were going to come to Australia, but they couldn't sort the paperwork out in time. I thought you in, were born in Canada and initially were Canadian. No, no, I was born, I was born in England. What's, what's the background of your parents? They're both English. My, my whole family's English. Ya. That's why you got a British passport, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, so, so in 82, I was four. My parents, um, I guess... Australia and Canada were both looking for engineers. So all the engineers from England, they were just they were just flying over here, taking jobs over here. 
because you guys can't fucking do any engineering by yourselves. And uh, <laughs> and so we were we we he took a job in Australia, and then the paperwork fell through. We'd sold our house, and the paperwork they they couldn't get it done in time. We had we had to get out of our house. Um, so the company that was hooking him up with the job, they said, listen, if you want, you can fly to Canada tomorrow. Papers sorted, done. So I ended up being Canadian instead of Australia. Yeah, well. And, uh, and talk to us a little bit about um, your history with motorcycles, I guess. I mean, I met you, I think, eight years ago or so, nine years ago at the Bike Shed yeah, Motorcycle 2000, Show. 2011. And you had this really cool uh, brown Yamaha that you had modified. Mm. It was like an XV. XV 950. Yeah. XV, yeah. And I, I hated those bikes, how they looked visually. But your one, I was like, actually, that's something I would definitely rock. But that's when I first met you. But obviously, you were building motorbikes well before that. Well, to be fair, that, that was, um, yeah, that was probably about the fifth bike to come out of the shop that I opened in, in Spain. We opened a shop in 2012. Love will just run right under the flight path. It's going to be good for the podcast. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's brought to you by Qantas. <laughs> <laughs> ching, ching. <laughs> um, fuck me. Sorry, I'm hanging over a bit. I'm fucking a bit sweaty and fucking messy. It's all good, bro. But, um, but no, I, um, I, I got my first bike. I think I was about, um, it was probably about eight or nine when I got my first bike. I had a little 35 Keystone pull start little thing with no suspension, just two little wheels on it, like, like rigid frame thing with little ape hangers on it. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, you know that this is the first first time we used to ride BMXs everywhere, and then we got this little Keystone, and we're like, it's that low mower engine. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, you don't have to fucking pedal. You can just twist the fucking gas, and you can get to the next town in like two minutes. We're like, fuck yeah, this is gonna be great. And that was the first, you know, like that first moment of freedom you experience on a the motorcycle gives you, right? And uh, and that was it. It was just like, fuck, I have to have one of these for the rest of my life and then I graduated from that to uh I I, I was working uh, when I was uh was 11 I was working as a dishwasher in this uh in this pub they allowed me I don't know I don't think you were allowed to work at 11 but um I was I was getting like I think it was on two dollars and 30 cents an hour working at this pub um wash oh yeah look at this boy baking an egg sandwich (laughs) (laughs) fucking sweet um, I'll eat that and annoy the listeners in a minute. Um, Some ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> Some pork. Moto, ASMR. Moto feels where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so I, so I saved up a bunch of cash because I'm, I'm, I wanted a bigger bike. And a couple of my buddies had like little like 80cc motocross bikes. And I was like, fuck, I need one of them. And my dad's like, I ain't got no money. If you want one of them, you got to fucking work. So, so I got this job washing dishes and I uh, saved up $1,100 and bought a a KX80, and uh, the thing scared the fuck out of me. I was so scared of power band because my buddy, a couple, a couple of my buddies had four strokes, um, like XR, XR100s and XR80s, and and uh, and then two of my buddies had RM80s and, and CR125s, and uh, and I was I got I got on one of those the first time I got on it and just fucking hit the throttle, and uh, first gear just fucking power band kicked in the bike just went wow I fucking flipped me right off the back I'm like this is scary <laughs> as fuck. So I was pretty scared to get on the fucking KX80 when I bought it. And uh, it took me it took me a couple of days, but I got a hang of it. And I was like, this is fucking insane. The thing just opens up. And, uh, and that's it. It just fucking hooked. And then how do you go from sort of riding those bikes to then, you know, obviously starting up Matt Black? Um, well, I never, I never fucking had a, like, that was the, that was the only bike I had until, um, until I actually bought a road bike. Um, like, I used to steal my, my dad had a Nighthawk 750. 
And uh, and when he'd go away for the weekend, I knew where he hid the keys. So I used to steal that. I probably shouldn't have been stealing it because I was probably drunk at the time. I was like 14 and just <laughs> you get home with your mates and you're like, let's take your dad's bike out. And I did like no helmets. You just put your buddy on the back of the bike and just fucking pin it all the way down the, as far as you awesome. can down the road and come back. That was my first taste of a, a proper bike. And they were heavy as shit too. And I was like four foot nine, fucking 14 years old. And uh, it's still four foot nine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's still 14 years old as well. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and that, that was really my only kind of road bike experience really until I got to, um, I moved to Spain and, uh, and a buddy of mine lent me a, he had a, a, a GSXR 600, lent me that for a bit. And, uh, I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. I had that for just a couple of weeks. And, uh, and that was, that was my only taste of a road bike. And then I start I was working as a, as a super yacht engineer, um, on this yacht. And so I was never home. I'd come home like once a month for a weekend. And, uh, and I walked into this Harley shop and I saw, well, I was in the gas station getting gas and this guy pulled up on this Harley and this was back in 2001, I think. And, um, and it was the, before the whole big back wheel kind of craze came about. It was like early on. And I saw this thing that had a Springer front end and had a 250 rear tire. And it was kind of like a bit of a bobber style, uh, soft tail. And I was like, that's fucking cool. So I'm like, where, you know, where, where'd you get that? Who, where'd you buy that? And he's like, oh, I've got a shop. You know, I, I, I build these. I'm like, fuck, I'm coming to see you. So I went, went and saw him and bought that exact bike off him. And, uh, but I bought, it, I bought it at night at like 11 o'clock at night in the pissing rain. And, uh, and I, I went for a test ride in the rain, like up and down the street for like two seconds. It ran, it started, it seemed all right. You know what I mean? And uh, at night, it looked great in the wet. <laughs> Fucking... And, uh, and I had to get on a plane and fly back to Barcelona to get on the yacht. And uh, so I, I just bought it, paid him 16 grand for the bike. And, uh, and that was it. I hadn't, and I didn't ride it for like another two, three months. And then I got home and I took it for a proper ride. I'm like, something's not right. The, the motor was fucking a bit shit. So I went down to the shop where I bought it, fucking boarded up. Guy's oh, gone. Oh, wow. He's oh, flew, wow. He flew back to um, Argentina. He had like... 10 dudes looking for him. He'd done the same to, he sold a bunch of shitty bikes to people. He was living like a king what, off Anthony Partridge's so 16 grand. The bike was gone. So no, no, I had the bike, but, um, but couldn't fix it. The motor was a bit shit. You know what yeah. I mean? It was, it was, there was something up with the motor. And 16 grand's a lot back then. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. It was the most money I've ever had or spent on anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And uh, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to have to fix the motor. I'm going to pull the motor out and, and rebuild it. And uh, so I pulled the motor out of the bike. And, um, and then I'm, it was in my living room of my apartment and, uh, my missus was pissed. There's fucking oil all over the place and parts all over the fucking place behind the couch. <laughs> and, uh, and so I pulled the motor out and I'm looking at the bike. I'm like, fuck. And because I've got OCD, I'm like, okay, well the motor's out. I might as well, the frame's a bit tatty. I might as well strip it all down and paint the frame. So then I stripped it all down, stripped it right down re and rebuilt the motor. And then I'm like, well, fuck, while I've got the frame out, I might as well fucking modify it make it a bit fucking cooler. I want to, you know, incorporate the rear fender into the frame. So I chopped the back of the fucking bike off, welded this, this, um, I only had a stick welder at the time as well. And, uh, so I was like arc welding this fucking thing off and grinding the welds back and putting more arc in there. Just fucking, however I could just fucking getting this rear fender on it. And, uh, and then kind of put it all back together and painted it, made a seat and made a, made a handlebars and made a few bits for it. And, uh, and then kind of put it back together. And it's kind of this rat rod. It was matte black with red and white pinstripe, kind of old school hot rod style. 
And um, and it was just like, yeah, just fucking raw. It wasn't fucking. And you had no no formal training no, at all. No, no experience. Like I I could just weld, you know, like right. I I could weld, and you know, I fucking I fucked around with engines. I was an engineer on super yachts and an Aston Martin mechanic and okay. Bentley mechanic before that, and and, uh, and so I've I've always fucked around with. So it wasn't rocket science, you know. But yeah, I, yeah. I was learning as I was going. And uh, so, so I built this bike, and I was just ripping around town. I met, I met uh, one of my best friends at the time, who died, unfortunately, in 2010. Um, but uh, he, he kind of helped me, guided me. He, he'd been building bikes since, since the fucking, you know, 70s or something like that. And uh, so he kind of helped me What's his do name? it all. Pete. Pete from German Pete, we called him. Yeah. He's a fucking legend. And, uh, and, and so... I built this bike and I used to just fucking take it to all these custom bike shows. And, uh, and so one of my buddies, um, who was at the time, he was like the, he'd won a bunch of world championships and he was like Spain's biggest builder at the time, buddy of mine, Ferry, who's actually, he's, he fucking passed away as well. Um, Ferry Clot. From, I, I think from we Hot need Dreams. to stop hanging out with Anthony Partridge. <laughs> one of us <laughs> is next. Time's limited. And, uh, and so, so I go, I show up to this bike show and I, I didn't really, and there's like, a thousand people in this parking lot and there's fucking drunk people everywhere. It's kind of, Spanish bike shows were a bit fucking loose. It was just like, it was kind of like a, just a bush party. Just bikes parked in the trees and everywhere and people pissing on bikes and sitting on bikes. I'm like, I don't want all these fucking pricks around my bike. My buddy Ferry, he's like, dude, park your bike, put it in the show. Just, you know, don't, not trying to fucking, you know, win a, anything in the class. He's like, if you put it in the show, then they look after you get 24 hour fucking valet parking. So just fucking bang <laughs> it in there and you don't have to worry about your bike. Come get it on Sunday. Fucking it'll be fucking parked. There's got 24 hour security and fucking you're awesome. good. So I just, every show I'd go to, I just fucking stick it in valet parking. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started fucking winning fucking awards with it. I'm like, I didn't fucking build this thing with a stick welder. It's like fucking, it's a piece of shit. And, uh, but people liked it. It was fucking, it was kind of like rat rotty looking, you know? And, uh, and, but I really enjoyed fucking building the bike. And I was like, ah, oh, this is fucking, this is cool. And then, uh, and then a couple of buddies of mine, about a year later, were like, hey, do you want to, you know, I've got a Harley. Do you want to fucking modify mine a bit? And I, did, I fucked up a couple of friends' bikes. You know what I mean? As you do, you're like, uh, <laughs> Scott, they've I'm, also passed away. <laughs> yeah, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, you, you're going to need to buy a new tank. I fucking, uh, I can't fix all the holes I fucking burnt into it trying to weld it. And, uh, you have to learn. And yeah, you got to learn, right? And, uh, <laughs> and it just kind of snowballed from there. And I, I really liked it. And then a couple of years later, um, me and my buddy Pete, um, our, a friend of ours was opening a custom bike shop. He's like, and uh, so me and Pete said, okay, well, we'll help you. We'll open it with you. Um, we weren't part of it. We just kind of employees. So we helped him set it up, but I was going to be the fabricator. Um, Pete was a mechanic and my buddy just kind of ran the business. And uh, so we did that for, for about a year and, uh, and my buddy ran out of money. So he like, we walked into work one day and he's like, hey guys, you're fired. <laughs> I got no money to pay you. And Pete, uh, uh, my buddy Pete at the time, he, uh, he was on disability because he broke his back about five times in multiple bike accidents. And so he was, on, he was getting like 3,500 euros a month disability check from Germany. So he was like retired kind of, you know, <laughs> and just living fucking on that. And, and, um, and so he had to um, give up. He had to declare because he was going to take this job. And he was like, okay, we're going to build a shop. And this is, you know, this, we're going we're gonna to fucking do this. So he, he told Germany that he, so they cut his benefits down to like 1200 and uh and because he was supplementing it 
with the work he was doing at the thing. And then they fired him just like fucking one day. Oh, like, wow. don't come in tomorrow. You got no money. Oh, shit. And uh, so he fucking lost his shit. He's like, fuck you. You fucking prick. You just completely he fucked, fucked me. up his disability. And, uh, and so he storms out. And I was like, and I'd just given up a fucking good, I was working as an interior designer with a friend of mine. And, uh, and I was getting the most money I've ever, I was, I was on like 2,500 a month and I'd never earned that much money um, in Spain since then, you know? And uh, so I was on decent cash as well. And I went, I dropped that to go earn a thousand, thousand a month at this bike shop because it's something I wanted to do. And, uh, and I was like, fuck you, you're not firing me. I'm like, I'm staying. I'm like, I'm staying until I find another job. Fuck you. You find the money. You're going to pay me my thousand bucks a month, you cunt. I'm fucking, and I, sta I stayed for like another two months until it got like, it got to the point where it was like, it was coming into work. He's like, what are you doing? It was like this animosity in the shop. He's like, I don't, I don't want you here. And I'm like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be here because my best mate's not here anymore. And I'm just like, I'm just like, hostile fucking employee <laughs> and uh and eventually i just fucking left i got offered a job uh working on ships again so i just fucked off and, and went to gibraltar working on ships and pete went back to germany and so we said okay fuck it we're gonna open our own shop and uh we're gonna fucking show this cunt you know how to open a proper shop and uh so he went back to germany and started because he was an old school mechanic doing like pan heads and, and knuckles and like shovels and stuff like that and so he didn't really know much about twin cams um, or fuel injection. So we went back to Germany and started learning about, you know, more modern bikes and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, our plan was he was he was going through, his parents were super rich and they had, um, they disowned him at 16 because he was like, he didn't want to go to the school. He wanted he to was go costing to, them too much money. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, you know, he wanted Is to he ride. alive? He wanted, no, he's dead. The, the, okay. the dead guy. Yeah. <laughs> One of the 10 dead guys that Anthony we grew up with. And he, wa he wanted to ride bikes and just fucking... <laughs> He wanted to ride bikes and just fucking hang out and just fucking, you know, not wear fucking stupid clothes and go to the schools his parents wanted to go to. So he just, they said, fuck it, you're cut off, fuck off. And uh, so, but they had a, a house in his name. It was, it, it was his inheritance, him and his sister. And uh, it was worth a couple million. Where was in, that? In, uh, in Hamburg, All right. in Germany. And so his parents sold that and didn't tell him or his sister. Um, and so they didn't get his, so they, he started, he was like him and his sister are like, fuck you. That's our money. You know, that's our inheritance. It, it was in our name. They forged his name and sold it. And, uh, so he was going through a court case. He was going to get against know, the parents, against that's the parents. Tough. That's tough. So, so he Go was on. like, he was six months away from getting half a million, three quarters of a million euros. Um, and then we were going to use that to open our shop. And I was, I was in Gibraltar and I was, wor I was working on ships and I was just buying lathes and milling machines and welding machines. And I was just every paycheck. I was just buying more ma machinery and just filling my garage with tools and machines. And, um, and then our plan was to open the fucking shop. And then I get a phone call, uh, fucking September, I think September 28th or end of September. Can't remember the day. And, uh, and I was at work and fucking called me in the office and they're like, Hey man, your, your fucking best buddy's dead. And I'm like, Whoa, what the fuck? This is while you guys were, yeah, yeah, we, we, we were pretty much wow. six months away from opening the shop. So wow. how, and how did he die? Uh, he, fuck, stupidly drunk, crashed a bike. Oh. Um, he was, so he was supposed to come over for my birthday. There's a, it was a surprise party. My, my girlfriend had organized a surprise party for my, actually, so yeah, it would have been August. It would have been just before my oh, birthday. That's he died. Um, so, so he was going to fly over, but he got, he got drunk in a pub, and uh, some guy would start mouthing him off. And, my, and he had a bit of a short fuse, so he fucking went over and just 
beat the fuck out of this guy in this pub. They called the cops and he got arrested. So he couldn't leave because he had a court case, a court date. So he couldn't leave to get to my party. So he's all fucking pissed off. So he went to the Hamburg, Harley Days in Hamburg with a bunch of his mates. And uh, he got a bit drunk and his, and his buddies were like, listen, get fucking, take the bike home before you get fucking really drunk. He'd had a few. He wasn't fucking super pissed, but they're like, listen, take the bike home because we know what you're like. You get drunk. No one's going to take your keys. We're going to have to fight you. It's going to be a situation. So, so on his way home, he's just going down this small lane and his, uh, his, his surgeon, who was a buddy of his because he fucking operated on him so many times they became mates over 10 years. And uh, so his surgeon was out front kind of keeping the pace and they were doing about 30 down this road. And uh, there's a bunch of cars parked on one side of the road. So they were going down the road and this car came. So they had to move over closer to the cars and he had solid foot pegs on his shovel head. And, this, and the foot peg just uh, nicked, nicked the rear oh, tire shit. of the car and it bounced his bike into the car and then bounced him off and flicked him off the bike. And he just slid across the road. And uh, he would have been fine. You know, he would have been road rash and shit. But, yeah. his, but his head hit the curb and it snapped oh, his neck. Oh, fuck. And, hell. And, and well, wearing a helmet? Yeah. Well, he was, he was wearing a fucking piss pot. We used to wear those little skull yeah, yeah, caps yeah. back in the day. And, uh, and that's. And, and yeah, so I fucking lost my best friend, my fucking business partner. And fucking, I was just like, what the fuck am I going to do now? And it's like, fuck. And you're in Hamburg. Now? Uh, I was, no, I was in, I was in uh, Spain. I was in Marbella. Oh, okay. Marbella. And, uh, oh, and so, so about a couple of weeks later, I was, I was organizing this fucking party for Pete. And uh, for, I was going to fly all his buddies over and we're going to have a ride and, and just celebrate his life and have this fucking send off for him. And, and I don't know what happened, but that snowballed into a fucking festival for 10,000 people. Like, <laughs> it's like I had the fucking mayor on board. I had like fucking all the security. I had fucking everything booked. Like, I mean, we spent a year organizing this. And I, I found, I found a bu an old buddy of mine who knew Pete as well. And he's like, I'll help you organize it. And so me and this guy, Toby, were, who uh, ended up owning Matt Black with, we, we started organizing this party for him. And it just grew into a festival. We got um, uh, Juliet Lewis was going to headline the Friday night. Um, the The... The Black Keys were gonna headline the Saturday night. Um, fucking, it was gonna be like this motors. It was. I wanted to mix like Sturgis, Sturgis, and um, and like um, what's that big festival in uh, in England? Glemsek? No, 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 the music festival um, oh. in England. Oh, Woodstock, one. Glastonbury. Yeah. It's like Glastonbury. <laughs> Glastonbury meets Woodstock's meet. America. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Glastonbury meets fucking. You know. Uh, Sturgis or Daytona yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, like a big fucking like bike, but bike and music festival, um, all in honor of Pete. And, uh, and it, we got like so far down the line, we got to the point where, um, all of a sudden I was talking to this guy, Mike Greek. He's the, he was the manager of Wolf Mother. And, um, and he called me up one day and he's like, listen, I said, like, I fucking love you. I love the cause. I love the whole festival. I love, you know, everything you've done. You guys have done it fucking really well. You're set up. But I, I've, got, I've got to be honest with you. I feel like I, I, I know you. We've become mates over the last year speaking. But the truth of the matter is I, I don't know you and I can't trust you because this is your first time doing a festival and there's no way in fuck you're going to make money. And the thing is I can give you my band and take your money. And if it's shit, it's going to look bad on me. It's going to look bad on my band, you know. So why don't you work with a known promoter and then, you know, get somebody with some fucking – some you know weight behind his name that's done this before and then do it for a few years and then kind of you know go your own way or or, or get the festival up and running with somebody a promoter that has got a got credit you know and uh, and so I, I was sitting there going 
that's a great idea, and I know one that does all the festivals and all the concerts in Marbella, but the thing is, how the fuck do I, if I built this whole thing, and I've organized the whole thing myself, and then I just get this guy to tack his name on it, after three years' time, and it's actually making money, how do I go, okay, thanks, bro? And split out, yeah. You know, he'll be like, no, this is my fucking festival. Yeah, You're yeah. just nobody, you fucking... And you so build I, it up. I built a festival for somebody else, mm. you know? So I was like... There's got to be another way. So I, th I, I talked to Mike Greek again and a few other uh, the managers of these bands. I said, what if, what, if I, uh, what if I find a live music venue and I'll do a concert like once a month? Like get a half-decent band, 10, 15 grand yeah. band, and once a month have a thousand people in a fucking cool venue. And then at the end of the 12 months, I'll, I'll do a, a gig every, every month. And then at the end of it, I'll have the festival to promote the the venue and and we'll do this so so a party for Pete ended up <laughs> turning into a festival that turned into a live music venue and then so we we're looking for properties for this live music venue we're gonna have a bike shop in the basement we're gonna have like glass fucking panels in the floor we're gonna get guys down there just to grind metal and shit and shoot sparks like while the bands were playing and have bikes on lifts and make it look like a, it was a working shop and you had like toilets in the basement with one-sided uh, two-way two glass so you could see in the shop while you're taking a piss and see everybody kind of working in the shop. Did you and ever the, think about <clears throat> flipping the uh, windows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, we, 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 we signed a deal with this, uh, this wicked fucking venue, um, this, this warehouse. And then the day, the day we, we went down there, signed, signed the paper, and then we got a phone call the next day saying, oh, sorry, um, we've just got a massive cash offer, and we, we can't. So these Russians just came in and took it out from under us after, like, almost a year of searching for the perfect place. The and then we saw this other place that was good, but it wasn't as good, and Toby and I were like, fuck, should we just, let's flip it. Let's open a bike shop, and we'll have parties in this bike shop. And, uh, and once a month, we'll have a we'll shut the shop down and have a big street party, and, and then we'll do it that way. So this became the Matt Black. Yeah, then this became Matt Black, and uh, so we like fuck it. So we just opened a open a cool fucking motorcycle shop in Marbella. In Marbella, and um, and then so I had this fucking huge fucking party. So like we opened the shop, got it all done. It took us six months to build it. it used to be a supermarket, so we fucking gutted the place. Um, I hired a, a, a welder fabricator team, a husband and wife. Um, from Denmark, friends of ours that I worked on ships with. Um, so I hired them, and uh, and me and my buddy Toby at the time, we and we decided, fuck it, let's open the shop. So we built this wicked shop. You, well, you seen, you saw, uh, you never came, but you saw no. pictures of Matt Black. It's this fucking cool looking shop, and uh, so it was like, okay, we're gonna have a fucking party. So we spent all our marketing budget for like the next five years on the opening party. Spent like twenty seven thousand euros on the party. Right, it flew fucking. I was gonna fly. I was. I was gonna have. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna have um, a Kasabian fly over and and do the gig. But I was talking to him because I'm loose rela loosely related to one of the guys in the band. And uh, is that I, like a cover band for Kiss or something? <laughs> I've got no idea. <laughs> Kasabian. Are, they, they, at the time, they were a fucking one of the they're biggest huge. bands in in England. They're from Le they're from song. they're from Leicester. Um, they got one massive it. track. Sing uh, Fire. Sing it. Fuck, I can't sing. <laughs> I'll have to Google it. You know, I'm on fire. Isn't that Kings <clears throat> of Leon? No, no. <laughs> um, or Ma Mike. Caspian. Yeah. Oh, fire, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but so anyway, so I talked to them and they're like, listen, I'm not even allowed to have this conversation with you. If, my, if Sony found out we're even having this conversation, we'd get fucked. We'd get sued. We can't come do your gig. We'd love to, but there's no way we can keep it under wraps and we, we, can't, we just can't do it. But... 
talk to these guys. These are buddies of ours. They're they're from Leicester. They got a great fucking sound, and we've done a few like collabs on songs with them. And they're fucking awesome. So I'm like, call them up, and still today they're great mates of mine. This this band called um, well at the time they were called uh, uh, Super Evolver, and uh, and they flew over, uh, booked them over, and uh, and we had uh, we the mayor of mine was a friend of mine, so we fucking we shut down both streets outside of the shop, like massive fucking streets, just closed them right off, put circus tents down the streets. I had circus LA acts, like chains, drilled anchors all on the wall outside. And we had guys and women doing backflips and flips around the outside of the shop. Inside the shop, we had like women spinning around like on silk ropes, you know, just fucking like half naked women, just proper like circus LA shit, just doing <laughs> crazy shit. And I had like a mezzanine floor. So we had the, we ended up, there was like 1,200 people come to this fucking bike shop opening. It was the biggest party in fucking Marbella's like history. All oh, the, was it free? Yeah, it was free for everybody. Fuck. And uh, free beer and everything. We paid for fucking everything. Uh, free food, Argentinian fucking chefs cooking wicked meats. And it was, it was fucking awesome. But we, we had every newspaper. We had every journalist from, you know, from the bike industry, from, the, you know, the... Every newspaper, normal newspapers, you know, nightlife kind of stuff, all the, all the, all, every magazine in town, we invited everybody down. And there was guys, you know, there was Lamborghinis and, and Bentleys and chicks in fur coats that are multimillionaires. And there's dudes that can't afford fucking two bucks worth of gas and their, cho their shitty enjoy, chopper all, all in one spot. You know what That's I mean? That's awesome. And I always had this fucking envision of that. You know what I mean? Because Marbella is such an eclectic place. You've got these, you know, you've got gangsters and, cool people and scumbags and millionaires and fucking there's just a weird mix of people and they all came to the shop and and uh and that's how it all kicked off and fucking everybody we didn't spend any money on marketing for the forever you know that's all we did <laughs> every newspaper wrote about us we we're on every news channel we we're on everything that's and, very cool and that was the start of fucking matt black and uh, my uh my entrance into the into custom, the motorcycle custom motorcycle world. scene yeah I would, I, would, I would go into um, more information if I were you, but you just took up 20 minutes of yeah. time. And Scott, there's no time yeah, for you to introduce amazing. yourself. So you've got, yeah. you've got like 30 seconds. Yeah. All right. No, no, well, no. Mine's I'm, nice. I'm joking. I'm no, joking. No, 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 no. No, no mine's, short. <laughs> mine's short compared to your little. Mine's like. That's just because you're old and you've got no memory. Exactly. <laughs> I'm young. I, I feel young and I've Never got no memory. How. Make it, make it, make it long so I can eat this fucking bacon and egg sandwich, you prick. Yeah, yeah, all right. Don't, don't forget to so, talk into the microphone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk close to this microphone. Um, yeah, so where did my motorcycle start? No ketchup, you pricks? What the fuck? No, the they, barbecue sauce? Australia, man. They usually put barbecue sauce yeah, in it's it. it's all about barbecue, That's bro. barbecue sauce on a bacon yeah. and egg sandwich. To be fair, it should be no sauce in a bacon and egg sandwich. It's it should just be cheese, bacon, egg, crispy bacon, and that's it. Looks good now. And a really runny egg so it gets on your beard and it takes you forever to actually get and it And you off. just... Drip it into your so we've, got, we've got a dry egg. We don't have crispy bacon. Well, it's been, no it's, been sitting, it's been sitting there for the history of Anthony Partridge, which has taken 20 hmm. minutes. No, <laughs> which was meant to be five minutes. <laughs> but, but you've got bacon and egg. You've got some bacon. You got Sorry, you've got barbecue sauce, so it'll be fine. Yeah, so anyway. Scotty. Where do I start? It's, um, all, it's all good, boys. So I used to ride. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see you drip some egg yolk into your crotch there. <laughs> The barbecue crotch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for me, motorcycling started when I was like, my uncle had a farm and we used to ride dirt bikes. My parents had 
shipping out to his farm every school holidays. Do you not have that sound effect? Yeah, there was a bit of banjo playing on the porch in Canamble where um, it was that kind of farm, was it? Yeah, a little bit. He didn't. Do touch you me. like me? He didn't, <laughs> Sorry. he didn't touch me like your father, but we did have what? So his father touched you. <laughs> <laughs> we did have baths together to save water. <laughs> During the drought, so it was all above board. It was all good. Um, <laughs> but below water. <laughs> it was above board. It was above board. Below water Hot was, water. yeah, it was getting a bit of hot water. Um, yeah, used to ride dirt bikes. That was my introduction to riding motorbikes. And I kind of stopped when I grew up and then cut to... I think I was 30 and I saw a fucking Deus bike in Camperdown and I was like, that is a fucking awesome bike. It's got like a really simple bike. Like for you, it wasn't a custom bike. It was like literally a chrome tank on a SR400 and I was like, oh, I want one of them. And then did a bit of research, couldn't afford a Deus bike. Of charging like 20 grand for these things. So I ended up importing SR400 from Japan and it was a bloody nightmare. You actually like, brought one in. I brought one in, yeah. So my wife is Japanese, so her uncle sort of went out, got one in, but it sat in um, storage for ages until I got all the certification. So it was three grand. Don't you have to pay while it's in storage? Or? Yeah, it was costing me a bit. Every day. Yeah. And then um, this guy I know that imports Japanese cars sorted out. Um, Edward Lee Auto, shout out to you. Oh, the guys that do rotaries as well. Yeah, yeah. on Parramatta Road. Yep. Um, he was like, oh, I was thinking about importing bikes as well. I'll sort it out for you. Anyway, it was a nightmare. It cost me probably more than if I just bought a bike from Dias <laughs> in the end. But it was a it was a learning curve, and then that's how Pipeburn started. So I was like, ah, oh, searching the web, looking for bolt-on parts. What can I do to this thing? And then it just all opened up. There's so many Japanese builders building these cool little SR400s, and I was like, I'm gonna start a website about it. And then it actually started just to post pictures of my bike and what I was doing to it. And then everyone started sending me photos, going, oh, "This is what I'm doing." And then it was just started growing. That's awesome. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, 10,000 people are watching this shit. Fuck, I have to keep posting shit. And it just grew. Yeah, so it was like kind of organic. What, what and that's year, how I what, met you. Well, what year did you start Pipeburn? So it was 2008. Yeah, okay. So Deus started in 2006, I think. Has Deus so, been around for that long? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even... I didn't even think I got a motorbike license until 2010. And then you joined one of our pipe burn rides. Yeah, that was how I met you. That was so cool. So I met a guy that, well, actually my dad goes, Mark, there's this guy that keeps on hanging out at the front of the house. Um, <laughs> and, I, and he keeps on looking at your motorcycle. Not creepy. Yeah, Not creepy. And, um, and I parked my motorcycle in the next door neighbor's carport because we didn't have a sort of garage or a carport and I just paid the guy. 10 bucks a week. I actually owed him about 1500 bucks by the end of it, but I moved out of home, so I never paid him. Um, oh, he's going to find you now. Yeah, yeah, but, um, <laughs> but I remember you guys say, that Chris guy said, oh, I've got mates that 
run a website yeah, called Pipeburn. I know Chris. <clears throat> McMullen. Yeah, spot yeah. on. And, um, and so I went for a ride with him. He had a Harley Sports Store 48 or something yeah, like yeah. that. And he was the first ever dude that I went for a ride with. And he was the one that put me on to, to Pipeburn. And that's when I had also a Yamaha SR because yeah, I, yeah. I fell in love the with... The monkey tank. Yeah, spot on. <laughs> I fell in love that with... That one right there, right? It was that, but it looked different back then. So I fell in love with the um, Yamaha because I was in Japan for four weeks and I saw how uh, custom each of the SR400s were and I was blown away by the fact that all of them, every single one that I saw all across Japan... Yeah, all different. ...was modified differently and it was an yeah, extension yeah. of that person's Japan, Japan's personality. Just another level, isn't it? But that's, what, yeah. that's why I, went, I came back to Sydney and I bought an SR500, had some custom touches on it and I kept on changing it, but then... I met this Chris guy through there and he told me about Pipeburn. I didn't even know what the fuck Deus was. He told me about the culture, I guess, that already existed behind it. I didn't even know it was called a cafe racer. I didn't know anything yeah, yeah. about anything, right? And um, and you guys were hosting uh, a, a ride doing like the five ferries. Five ferry like, ride. Yeah. yeah. And um, I came into it quite late. I won't even ask about the five ferries. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can kind of yeah. figure this it is, out myself. This is a woke podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's I It's ferries, up, not fairies. Yeah. Like I know it's a small difference, but ferry. Yeah. Oh, like ferries like head, a boat. Like uh, fucking you, a ferry yeah, yeah, you get you on. Catch it. five ferries. Oh, uh, okay. It's not uh, five little fairies no. running around doing. Well, there's a couple of them as well. I just assumed we were talking about Tinkerbell, um, but um, but I ended up emailing you guys because one, I didn't have enough information. Two, I really wanted to be a part of it. And, and back then, it was you and AJ. Yeah. And um and I reckon I would have been so fucking annoying because I text, I emailed you guys multiple emails because I was trying to figure out where all the petrol stations were because I had a monkey tank <laughs> on an SR500 that had a flat slide carby that drinks fuel and it actually went really well. And so I was constantly busting your but You used to carry around a canister and of fuel. And I, I ended up buying two <laughs> one-litre canister of fuels that were in a leather strap that I strapped to that motorcycle just so I could make sure oh. that I was uh, I was on that ride and I was glad that you guys accepted me to that ride because that was when I learned <laughs> some, like this culture is way bigger than what I thought it was. Like, you know, I knew it in Japan from what I saw, but I hadn't seen it in Sydney. And I saw in Sydney what I saw in Japan. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, that was a bit of... Uh, um, you know, that was that that sort of bombshell moment where I sat there and I thought, oh, wow, this ride is so cool. I want to do this on a weekly basis. I remember you were going, I want to do this every week. I'm yeah. like, oh, dude, I can't do one of these every week. I've got young kids. At the time, I had two young <laughs> yeah, kids. Yeah. And you're like... That started Sydney Cafe Races for you, didn't it? Yeah, well, it was. Uh, I met I met um, I met Jordan, um, yeah, and yeah. and obviously I started Sydney Cafe Races, and and for me Sydney Cafe Races was about how do I get what we just experienced on your ride happening more often, more Every frequently. Yeah. And the thing for me was I had this SR five hundred. I thought I was king shit. I thought I was cool. Um, you know, I'd go and show it off to all my mates from high school and, you know. Did like, any of your mates ride? No, I've got no mates that ride. So all my mates that ride now are people that I've met through motorcycle riding like you guys. Yeah. And um, and I remember even on that SR riding past one of my mates' houses and uh, trying to show off and I sort of gave it a bit too much. Uh, I tried to do a burnout. I failed. It turned into a wheelie, which failed, and I just went straight over the handlebars. <laughs> and the boys are running over, and still to this day, I don't hear the end of it. But for me, Sydney Calf Races was how do I get people like me who have these motorbikes but actually um, don't have anyone, anyone to ride with? And yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, you guys know me, I'm a social guy. So for me to go from, 
you know, um, getting this bike, thinking I'm cool, riding for four weeks. So I was just like, well, no, I actually need something a little bit more. What were you doing for work at the time? Man, I was always hospitality. So I studied music business uh, initially, and then I went into um, working for Tui's, which is the competition of uh, these guys, right. VB. And I was in their call center, and then, you know, very quickly I sort of progressed to um, being a sales rep for the city. So I looked after all the pubs and nightclubs in the Rocks, yeah. in Sydney and Martin Place. Um, wild job to have at sort of 23, even wilder when you're ethnic looking in, yeah, yeah. in what's really a white person's world with, yeah, yeah. with beer companies. Um, I remember even my manager saying, oh, Mark, um, can you shake my hand? And I shook her hand and she goes, oh, that's not too bad. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What's what going? What's going on here? And she goes, and she goes. Oh, some of the guys in the office have been saying that you've got a weak handshake, and like, oh, I thought she was talking about the color of your hand compared to the color of her hand. <laughs> yeah, we had a tan off, um, but no. But she said that, and I mean, to me, it didn't even come as a surprise to sort of sit there and go through that sort of. I guess it wasn't obvious to her, but a level of racism, and that's cool. But I mean, for me, it was a lot of older guys. Uh, that were obviously white that wanted to be in that job looking after the main part of the city and here I was an ethnic guy that was 23 looking after all the biggest nightclubs pubs and all the rest of it yeah. and it was an absolute hoot um, so I did two years I did that for a few years I basically the, my mates from high school organized to um, go to Europe for six weeks and I said to that same manager I said hey um, I've got this opportunity to go on a boys euro trip and the she boys. turned around, the boys, yeah, the boys. And then she <laughs> turned around and said, um, well, it's either you go overseas and enjoy or you stay Keep here and work. Yeah. And I said, see you later. So I stripped out an RX-7 that I was building, um, ended up making more money off stripping the car out with all the parts that I had for it. And oh. I ended up going overseas for 12 weeks. Yeah. I just kept on delaying and I had all these different bars in Sydney calling me up saying, when are you back? And there's this one place called the Harborview Hotel. Um, and I know it well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's part of Under our yearly Harbour pub Bridge. crawl. Is Sydney it, Cafe it, is a pub yeah, crawl. Yeah. It's not where we got kicked out of last night, no, is it? No, no, no. no, no but no. you will. It's Sydney. You'll get kicked out of everywhere. <laughs> you, you get kicked out of you McDonald's. You probably can't even get in there. <laughs> yeah, you try and walk through and they'll just look at <laughs> not you. Tonight. They'll just not, look not, at not tonight, bro. Not, not tonight, tonight, bro. They just look at your gait pattern and go, no, you're drunk. You're like, no, 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 I just can't walk properly. <laughs> um, but I ended up, yeah, getting a job working there. But I mean, I got my motorcycle license because I literally woke up one morning and thought, I want to ride a motorbike. And I don't know where it came from. I didn't have family or friends that rode motorbikes. And that's really what got me into it. And Pipeburn is what got me into organising the social aspect of it. And Sydney Caffer races turned into Melbourne, Brisbane, Newcastle, Perth. Um, and off the back of that, even places like Milan Caffer races, they were all connected and really? I built, built them all up um, and basically gave them to the administration. And like, oh, what for? I'm like, well, it's not a moneymaker. This thing to me was just about yeah. building, Com community. building community. People yeah. that are lonely, giving them the opportunity to meet other motorcycle enthusiasts, custom bike builders, and all the rest of it. And then, you know, off the back of that, it's been uh, a whirlwind to get to where we are today. I started the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride maybe a year after Sydney Cafe Races. Yeah. Um, Which is probably connecting more people in well, riding than any other I, I was going to say, yeah, there's probably no, there's no, there's no <laughs> other ride that connects more people no. around the world than that's that, right? 100, well, I guess just because you've got so many people. Yeah, but, but on a global they're scale, all Americans. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like a bunch yeah. of Americans in one spot getting drunk. Is that, a, like, good, is that a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think for us, I mean, you know, if you fast forward from the start of Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, which was, I think, 2012, 
that was 64 cities um, and about 15 countries. And now we're looking at 900 cities across 107 countries and about 110,000 riders. Um, that's registered riders. You've always got the guys that just don't register, but that's okay. So yeah. it's, it's you're right. It is a social connectivity. So when you look at everything that I've done in the past, it's always been about how do you bring people together? How do you have fun? How do you how do you make this happen? And it was the exact same thing with Mazda Rotaries. Yeah. When I had my RX-7, I had the number plate to lawnmower because it's like a two-stroke. It smelled yeah. like one. I'd had police <laughs> pull me over and say it even smells like one. Um, but it was always based around that. And I guess I'm very fortunate that uh, obviously people enjoy the event. Um, it's changed a lot of lives. And obviously it's put me and in a position a lot to run events like Throttle Roll, which yeah, we're all here for in Sydney. Um, this will be old news by the time that we... We mm. go live with this, um, but we've got, you know, 50 custom motorbikes in this warehouse that have been dropped off to showcase, which is awesome. And it's, you know, fantastic to have Anthony from the UK down for it. And then um, also obviously joining up with you on Pipeburn and now being able to launch this this podcast. Yeah, it's been epic. Oh, uh, yeah, I want to ask you, what's the most amazing thing DGR has given you? Like what's the one thing like? I think for me, it was it was a bit of a tricky one with DGR because when I started DGR, the idea was let's just run it for a few years and give it to a charity. Yeah. Right? You're so inept when you come into this space um, and when you know, you've got insecurities as well as a person and I was only 26 or 27 when I started it, you always feel like there are people out there that know more than you yeah. and that are better than you. Yeah, that like imposter what syndrome. You do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's pretty... Yeah. And so for me, it was, let's just run it for a few years. I was living at home. It was never meant to turn into a full-time job. It quickly became a full-time job, but it was never meant to turn into one. And it was probably the second year was when we partnered with um, the Prostate Cancer Foundation, Australia. And we raised a huge amount of money, uh, 250000 The third year, we raised a, a mil. And there was a guy uh, in Kent that gave me a call and he goes, Mark, if it wasn't for you, I'd be dead. Yeah, that's and huge. that was his words and that's that was when it you know i sat there and thought okay this is way bigger than i thought this was going to be we've yeah, yeah. already had that's a direct amazing. effect on someone's life yeah if we can motivate more men to get checked then irrespective of fundraising we're achieving a huge goal for people and then i had his wife call and his family call and so that's when shit got really serious for me um, and I think for me, it, it sort of turned into this, oh, okay, this isn't about me. I'll just put another few years into this and then I'll give it to a charity. Yeah. <laughs> and then as time sort of continued to progress, you quickly realize that I guess the stuff that we were doing in the office was to a degree groundbreaking. Yeah. I know that sounds egotistical admitting it, but it is the truth. Yeah. Um, it was groundbreaking and there aren't many people that can do what we've been able to do with it. And we sit there and talk to different charities on a weekly basis and, and we have meetings with them and we try and give them tips on how to run things and send things global. But if you think about it, what else, what other event has been able to connect people physically? Yeah, there's no other ride in the world cities. that does that. And so it's something that obviously I'm proud Amazing. of. And I yeah. think the tough part you for me be. is balancing, the tough part for me is balancing the personality, right? Because you guys know me, you guys you guys know my secrets. You guys yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got, you've got, and, but you've got this corporate front. You kind of have to, you have to run this corporate front yeah, exactly. and be the kind of guy, you know, the dapper dressed, well-spoken kind of, uh, you know, professional Mark Howard. Yeah. But then at the same time, you're a fucking lunatic like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's funny, right? Because I, I go into meetings where guys are like, oh, we thought you'd be dressed up a little bit different. Like, well, this is a perfect occasion for my cheetah shorts, my leopard print shorts. Yeah. And, um, and it is a tough balance. And I mean, even 
sort of spruiking throttle roll uh, a couple of days ago, I had one of the guys that hosts one of our ride say, oh, hey, you're using some pretty foul language. And, you know, basically I sat there and apologised and said, okay, I understand. And it's really hard because, I mean, we we all want to be liked. We all want to get along with people. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's important to understand that you can't be everything for everyone. And I know I can't be that. And I know that mm. I'm not distinguished. I'm distinguished <laughs> for the two months leading yeah, up yeah. to the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. At the after party, am I distinguished or am I wasted enjoying myself? I'm and pretty the, wasted enjoying and, and, myself. And the thing is, like, if you if you just kind of played up to what the expectations of people that don't know you and, and you have to be this Mark Hauer, the professional Mark Hauer, you it it wouldn't be right because it's not authentic and yeah, people you have to be pe- yourself people yeah. people people are attracted to you know everything you've done because of who you are as well yeah, you know yeah. love it or hate it you know i'm sure you've got a ton of haters out there as well but like like it's it's you and you have to be you and if if you just said okay i'm not I'm never going to swear again i'm never going to drink yeah. again i'm just going to be this professional yeah, suit yeah. wearing guy like the fucking thing a tank in a day, you know what I mean? It, it, just wouldn't, it wouldn't be authentic. Yeah, yeah and so I, I think the thing with the DGR now is it's sort of it's beyond me now, and it's beyond the staff that work here. It's really at a point now where it's it's got its own personality. You're kind of like the custodians of it. Exactly. Right? What people don't realize is like when you build a motorcycle, it's got its own personality. It's not so much about what you want; yeah, it's yeah. about what the bike is. And for me, it's with these events: throttle roll, obviously pipe burn. I've got scram eyewear as well. All these things have different personalities and they're yeah. not directly reflective of me. I don't wear a suit every day to work. I'm yeah. in board shorts every day at work. Like it's – I love helping people and I love what I do and I love sort of being able to sit there and save lives. But does that make me any less distinguished because of the fact that I like to say the fucking swear word once yeah. in a while? It's a bit I, of a weird dynamic. I love I love how DGI has its own vibe in every city. Like yeah. It depends on the host as right. And, and, and they, they host it. And Mate, we had a host recently, which we're not going to go into names, but he turned around and basically said, I don't want to host this ride. And we said, okay, no worries. Thank you so much for your support in the past. But yeah. we left the ride open and he got so upset that we were still running the ride. And he's like, I'm not hosting this ride and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, hey, 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 the ride continues. Yeah, yeah. And this and is the, the thing. The ride's never about one person. This is the thing with the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Uh, a ride host can sit there tomorrow and say, I'm not doing it, but someone else will take their spot. A group of people will take their spot because it's meaningful, it changes lives, yeah. right? The same goes for me. I guarantee that I could sit there tomorrow and go, you know what, guys? It's not for me anymore. I'm, I'm going to stop DGR. You know what's going to happen next year? There's going to be 900 rides across 105 countries with 110,000 people and it's just going to not be unified. Yeah. But it's still going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And what people don't realise is even us as hosts – it's it's not about us. It's yeah. it's the community that you've built, and you said it, you said it yourself, Anthony. The amount of people that have met each other through DGR. We've got guys that have been married at DGR. We've got guys that have found their love at DGR. Like you've probably had a couple of people that have got a divorce at DGR, <laughs> <laughs> but because of DGR, because of DGR, and the amount of work they volunteer <laughs> for us. Um, but no, it's 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 been an incredible journey, and I think for me, sort of, I think I partnered up with you, Scott, probably two or. three three years ago with Pipeburn. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, for me, I see Pipeburn podcast as being a way for us to be able to to connect with people, entertain people. Um, but I'm going to let you speak and tell us what we've got in store for the next sort of nine, ten episodes of the Pipeburn Uncut podcast. So can I tell the listeners who we've got lined up? Oh, you can. We'll probably have uh, a few drop out, but go yeah. for it. <laughs> we've got Keanu Reeves. We've got Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, we don't have them. Well... 
We may not, have not, not yet. If you're listening, Ryan, do it. Come on, get on, get on board, fellow. fellow. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fellow Canadian. You know what I mean? You gotta have. Yeah. You're not even Canadian. I just found out you were from the UK. <laughs> you were born in the UK. Your parents are the U- are to UK. To be fair, I've, I'm actually more Spanish than I'm, I've, I've spent more time of my life in Spain than anywhere else. So I, I'm, oh. my heart is Spanish. Okay, go get us a bullfighter for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who do we have? But we got Scott? some good, good people coming up. We have got obviously. Our mate Craig Rodsmith, Aussie, he's a funny cunt. Can I say cunt? I you, you, just can. Did. You, you can. Just did. You can. Could you not bip it? We, no, we can do this. Remember when we were in that nightclub in Spain at Pasha, and there was a song that came on and it sounded like Hawa? Was it Rihanna? Yeah, yeah. Hawa, Hawa. Hawa, Hawa. Uh, we got Roland Sand. We're actually going over to LA soon and Dallas uh, next week, which will be fucking epic. Yep. Um, we're going to be fucked up, I'm guessing, because we're fucked up now. We're yeah, well, just- you guys are, because you guys came home <laughs> at like five in the morning. I went to bed nice and early because I've got work to do. You're a sensible adult. Man. Yeah, yeah, we're not. We're, cho- right, Craig we're children. We've got Craig, we've got Roland, we've got Robbie Madison. Yep, we're actually going to Robbie Madison's house to record this one, which is cool. Jay Shire. Yep, Boston custom motorcycle builder and Lebanese extraordinaire. I think she's Lebanese. She better bring some Jeez. food from. She's you know her yeah. new workshop is like it looks, yeah, it looks amazing. Her <laughs> yeah. her workshop but and it's that, got, got a deli in it. It's yeah. got a cafe or a deli I, or something. I just in want it, in right? Arabic. There's this, we need to go there. There's this yeah. meal that my mum used to make, and and every Arab will understand this, but it's called mulhia. And oh, it's yeah, like yeah. a green sort of vine I leaf. Mojito. Yeah. <laughs> Say it, Anthony. I, I, uh, a mojito. <laughs> I like it's mojitos similar. as yeah, well. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That, that was your whole yeah. night until five <laughs> o'clock in the morning this morning. Um, but I'm just going to ask you if she can sort of sneak some into into Texas. I'm sure there's no laws in bringing food in from Boston no, to Dallas. Like it's not like Australia. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like marijuana, but it looks like marijuana. <laughs> can you smoke it? I'm sure there's a lot. We'll of give Arabs. it a go. I'm sure there's a lot of Arabs that have tried. <laughs> In the hooker. Do you even remember who else we've got on the podcast? Um, who do we have we've next? Got, we've got Tom from Purpose Built Moto. He's coming in. We actually have to message him. We've got a couple in and outs. We we might have a few guests. We might might not. There could be some we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pop down. We're gonna go, we're gonna go see Hazen. See what he's saying. Um, also, uh, possibly uh, Dean Del Rey, famous comedian. He's a Probably the only the only biker comedian to make it in the in the comedy scene in the states. Uh, he's a cool dude. You're yet to happen. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Anthony, tell us a joke because you've been doing some stand up comedy, and I'm telling you right now, we've been recording for 55 minutes or so. I'm not going past 60 minutes without stretching my legs and having a cigarette. Um, Did I just say cigarette? Yeah. Well, it's brought to you by Marlboro. <laughs> Or British American tobacco. <laughs> I meant cigar because I'm the founder of the Distinguished Gentleman's yeah, Ride. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Go tell us a joke, Anthony. Go for it. Listen, <laughs> I'm not. Knock, knock. I'm not. I'm not at work, bro. <laughs> uh, this, this is work. Yeah, this is, you know, I'm, uh, do I see a stage? <laughs> Stand up on the table. <laughs> I see a microphone. Listen, suck a bag. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wasn't that your whole night last night? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> if you had bags left. 
<laughs> we're talking about handbags. Let's keep this slightly appropriate. A ball bag. I thought we were talking about no, ball bags. It's uncut. We're talking about ball bags. Uncut. Okay. All right. So but we've we'll got cut that. We've got. We probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much editing work. So we've got a heap coming up, guys. We hope that you guys have enjoyed this first episode. Just getting to know us a little bit more. You got a whole two minutes from Scott, five minutes from me, and about twenty-seven hours from Anthony Partridge. It'll be the norm every episode, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's got his glasses on, trying to hide the, the night that he had. Anthony. He's got his glasses on trying to hide the night well, he has. And and like, remember when we said, okay, let, we're going to do this. I said, okay, the rules are, there's only one rule. This you either true. have to this be hungover true. to fuck or you have to be drunk or at least drinking and, and trying I, and to And I've drunk. broken the rules already. And you've broken the rules already. You've, Dude, I've you've, been wondering you're if stone any of the, cold sober. You're not hungover and you've had fair, one fucking beer. To be fair, I've been looking around to see if I could get any of the attention of the boys upstairs just so I could get another one. So... That's all right. I'll be drunk in America. I'm in Australia. This is home for me. I've got work tomorrow. I've got throttle roll to That's produce. Right. You move about when I'm in America, tonight. this will be very uncut. You hear that? That's the world's smallest violin. <laughs> <laughs> world's smallest violin playing the saddest fucking tune for you, Mr. Howard. Hey, what tunes, what tunes do we have just on this preset? I think literally all we've got is the introduction song. Oh, That's yeah. Is this the outro Scotty, now? Scotty, yeah. Scotty. Scotty doesn't know. Not today, boys. Not today. Thanks for having us, guys. This will be on YouTube for what reason we don't know. Um, oh, yeah, just, we're filming it. Just what? so uh, there can it. be a commercial that gives us some money to recoup on this $3,000 investment. Don't you have to tell people to like and smash buttons and fucking yeah, subscribe, yeah, like, share smash it, buttons, subscribe, all that shit. Share it. Um, don't share it. We don't really care. This is going to be a fun project anyway. But if there's going to and, and And in the comments, just. Just harass the shit out of us. Yeah, yeah. The worst insults you can Same possibly complaint. think of. <laughs> All we want is Un insulting, vile comments in the comments. Un uncut insults, go for it. Yeah, you know yeah. what, but YouTube's going to cut them anyway, mate. It's no different. I, I get barred off Facebook on a weekly basis <laughs> when I'm just joking with mates. Yeah, yeah. It's nonsense. Anyways, that's a topic for another day. Thank you guys. Um, we will catch you all next episode, which will probably be released at the same time that we drop this episode or... A week later, who knows? We'll figure it out. See you, boys. See, See you, and girls. Hey, hey, hey. And girls. And, and, every, girls. and, 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 and everyone. And everyone. Dogs and cats. Inclusive. And